Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Great to see you this morning. Good morning. Great. Hey, look to somebody on one side of you and say, I am so glad you're here today. Do that, would you? I'm so glad you're here today. If there's somebody else near you, look at them and say, get ready because we're going on a buggy ride. That's what we're going to do. That's, is that just my phrase? Buggy ride, it means we're going to be all over the place today. We are going to go on a journey, and I hope to help you today. Now, our journey is going to kind of headquarter in Acts chapter 8. So if you take your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there. Also, earlier I introduced in the service an app. Do you remember the name of the app? Say it out loud. Ready? Share your faith. If you would like to go there, you're welcome to download that. And uh, I don't get any kickbacks from it. It's just simply I believe it's going to be helpful as we work together and as we uh, process. Jason, are we okay on this thing? Is this going to work for me? Okay, that's it. Everybody say, hi, Jason. How you doing? I want you to say, Jason, we hardly even notice you're standing up there on stage. When a tech guy is seen, that's not a good thing. But anyway, we got it all figured out now. And we're going to go on the journey today. Now, we've been in this whole thing, show and tell, show and tell. We've talked a lot about showing our faith, earning the right to speak into people's lives and to be able to share the reason for our faith. We've also talked about how not to disqualify ourselves, right? We want to make sure we don't disqualify. Last week, we began by, before you open your mouth, be careful. you got to do three things. you got to love people you got to look at them, and you got to listen to them. You love them, which means you have a heart enough to care about them. You look at them through Jesus' eyes. This, for me, is revolutionary. I always see the messy. I always see what has to, even in my own life, I see the mess. Jesus sees the masterpiece in the making, and if you can look at individuals, no matter what their messiness is, and see the masterpiece in the making, it gives you a different perspective, then we want to listen, we want to hear where they're actually at, and so that we can meet them where their need is, rather than try to make them fit into our little box. We're going to talk about today how to tell, how to actually share with someone how to become a Christian. 1994, I was at uh, RCA Dome in Indianapolis, Indiana. I don't even think it's there anymore. There were about 60 to 80,000 men gathered, gathered for a Promise Keeper event. And I had a group of guys from my little church in Warsaw, Indiana, that were with us. Among them was a guy by the name of Willie Justice. Willie Justice, we gave him the nickname as he had a fervor for the Lord. I called him the Pit Bull Prophet. He even put that on his shoes. He, he put pit bull on the top of his shoes. He loved Jesus so much. But he had just come to Christ about three weeks earlier. And uh, he was now with us at this Promise Keeper event. And as often happens at Promise Keepers, uh, in those days, the very first message was a salvation message. And so they were giving an opportunity for people. It was a gospel presentation. I don't remember who the, who the, the pastor, the preacher was that day. But I know that there was a tremendous response thousands, not hundreds, thousands of men flooded into the aisle. There was no room up front, came all the way down the aisles of the stadium, and then all over the, the bottom, uh, they had chairs on the floor. They had all over the back, there was thousands of men. They did not have near enough counselors to work with them. And so somebody came up on stage and said, hey, there's a lot of people that want to, uh, that they need somebody to pray with them. If you're a pastor and would be willing to come down and help guys make a decision for Christ, can you come on down? 
So I looked over at Willie, and I said, Willie, I said, go with, you're going to come with me, buddy. You're going to lead somebody to the Lord today. And Willie said, I can't go. I can't go down there. He said, I, I've only been a Christian for like two or three weeks. He said, I don't know what I'm doing. I said, Willie, <clears throat> do you love Jesus? He goes, yeah. And I said, have you accepted him as your Savior? He said, yeah. I said, I'll get you through this. You're qualified. Let's go. And so I grabbed him. I took him down with me. There were so many guys responding that we couldn't work one-on-one. -on -one. We had groups of four or five at a time that you were working with, and you were literally leading all of them to just simply accept Christ as their Savior. And so I said, Willie, I said, I promise you I'm going to model this for you. And I said, watch really closely and listen to what I say because I'm going to, after you're done working with me, you're going to go over and you're going to work with another group. So Willie joined the group. There were four or five guys in that group. We're standing around in a circle. We huddled in because you could barely hear. And one by one, I talked to them about what God was doing. I said, hey, what's God doing in your life? They all in one sense or another wanted to come to Christ. Together they received Christ. They, they prayed a prayer of confession. We let them. I just explained very basically what it meant. And they stepped into a relationship with Christ. Then I took one guy and I said, hey, I need you to do something for me. You're going to go with Willie and you're going to work with the next group. So he went with Willie over into the next group. And then I took one of the guys we had just led to the Lord and he worked with me as we worked with the next group of guys and led them to the Lord. And that day, 1994, Willie Justice joined a team that only 20%, in fact, statistics actually are actually smaller than this, but he joined the 20% club because statistically, only 20% of all Christians ever share their faith with someone else about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. The statistics are actually smaller than that of those who actually lead people to Christ. But he joined that team that said, I am willing to be used of God to share Christ with someone else. And today what I want to do is I want to I take away some of the fear factors and the anxiety of sharing our faith. Because if you're here today and you're a believer, and, and if you've accepted Christ and you're two weeks old or you're two months old or you're 20 months old or you're 80 years old in the faith... Let me tell you, God wants us to be the plan that shares into people's lives. Now, real quick, these aren't even in your notes. I just want to give them to you a couple of things before we even begin. And number one is you don't have to be afraid. A lot of times we're just afraid. We're afraid we're going to blow it. We're afraid we're going to say the wrong thing. And I want you to remember that you have authority in Jesus Christ. You are a child of the King and all the blessings of heaven are ours in Jesus Christ. He has given you this mantle and said, go and make disciples. So this is a challenge that Christ has given to us. You might be saying, well, well what happens? What if something happens? And what's the worst that can happen? You blow it. You embarrass yourself to death. You die. And you get to go to heaven and be with Jesus. And that ain't so bad. And it's amazing if you can just get yourself past What's the worst that can happen? I guarantee you're not going to make things worse for the person you're talking with. Number two, you're not in this alone. God is the master sovereign God who is orchestrating divine encounters and he's positioning them in people's lives. You may not be and will not be the only person who is going to speak into this person's life, but you're part of the journey. 
I love what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul, um, people are, uh, chapter 3, sorry, 1 Corinthians 3. Paul is saying that some people are identifying that, that somehow like I've led them to the Lord and Apollos has led them to the Lord and somehow that makes, you know, makes us a part of a different group. This is what he says. He says, um, who is Apollos and who is Paul? We're only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned each of us our own task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. Say that phrase, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. Now here's the thing. Paul says we all have a different place in people's journey. He says, hey, I plant the seed. Apollos kind of helped it along and he watered it. We all have different tasks, which leads us to the, the next thing. I just want to help you with this. Everybody is on a journey, and we're all working together to help them on that journey. And you may not have the opportunity, let's just say a neighbor, to lead them into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But you can help them toward that decision. How many, how many of you ever watch basketball? Raise your hand real quick. You watch basketball? Coaches love the guy who scores the basket, but they love the guy who gives the assist. And the assist is a stat that is almost as prestigious as the one who scores the goal. Why? Because you enable an individual to do and be in position to do and to score the goal for the team. You are giving an assist as you come along. And when you begin to understand that, it sets you free. i got a graphic I want to show on the screen I had lots of stuff I wanted to give you this week, and I, I didn't have room for all of it. But I want you to see this. This is called the Engel Scale of Steps to Christ. Uh, back in the mid-70s, early 70s, there was a professor at uh, Wheaton College who developed a theory, which I would say is accurate, of how people come to Christ. And what he said is, people don't just usually wake up one day and immediately uh, follow Christ. In fact, there was actually a statistic done a number of years ago, a study, that the average person has to hear the gospel somewhere between six and seven times before they'll, before they'll respond to it. And if you look at this, and if you can kind of read it, number one down there, it just says, you have no awareness of God whatsoever. I will tell you there are people that when they hear about Christ, that they will immediately become Christians, but that is pretty unusual. Generally, a person works toward it or steps toward it, and so they have some awareness. Number three is they have contact with Christians. Maybe number four, they have a little bit of interest in who Jesus is. They might investigate Jesus, number five. They might ask, actually begin to grasp some of the truths about what it means to be a follower of Christ. They may understand the implications of the truth. In other words, they, they understand that Christ died for our sins. They understand that, that um, everybody needs to know Christ, but they aren't yet a Christian. You'll notice if you go up to number 10, number 10 is the decision to surrender to Christ. That is when we do this in our messages, I talk about stepping across the line of faith. Every person has to come to a point where they're willing to step into that relationship. But I want you to see number nine. You can accept Christian truth, number nine, and you can accept the implications of becoming a Christian and not be a Christian. 
You agree with Christianity. You even like Jesus. You're very positive about the truths, and you may know the truths, but you've never accepted it for yourself. After a number of years of being a pastor, I, I absolutely believe churches around the world are flooded with people who acknowledge who Christ is, and they understand what it means, but they've never stepped across the line and yet accepted him. By the way, it doesn't stop there. He talks about growing in Christ, and there's a point where you start sharing with others. And when you, when you can get a hold of this, it will help you because you, the only way we fail is if we're unwilling to help people in their journey of faith. If I simply will not. It's not a failure. If that person doesn't come to Christ, of course we want them to accept this and personally in their life. But if you, God uses you to help move them along, I, I believe God's sovereign. God knows how, God knows exactly who needs your story. And if you can just grab that, it takes the pressure off and you simply say, Lord, use me in this person's life exactly as you want to use me in their life. So let's get into it today. Acts chapter 8, we're going to take a look at the art of the divine encounter as we look at a guy by the name of Philip. And Philip, it is not the Apostle Philip. This is actually another man in chapter 6 of Acts. We find out that he was a man who was loved the Lord, he was a follower of Jesus, and he was full of the Spirit, and the church was growing so fast. They needed some people to minister to the widows so the apostles could do what apostles do. And so he was one of the first men that was chosen to be what we would call a deacon. He, he wanted to come alongside and minister into the life of the body. After the church started to undergo persecution, Scripture says that the apostles stayed in Jerusalem while everybody else fled. Philip was one of those. And, and the gospel spread not as the apostles did their work, although that was important. The gospel actually spread into the world as every day Joe and Joanne went out and shared their faith in Jesus Christ. And so Philip is on his way. We see him being used of God. And in chapter 8, verse 26, he comes into an encounter with an Ethiopian official. He's an Ethiopian eunuch. And here's what it says. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in the charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, which means what? Well, he was, a, he was a proselyte. He was someone who, who heard about Judaism. Maybe uh, someone was trying to convert him to Judaism, but in some way he acknowledged that there was a God and he was now going to Jerusalem to worship him. And it says that this man was on his way to Jerusalem. On his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. He didn't say, go interrupt him. He didn't say, go up and throw a track at him. He didn't say, go up and start preaching. He just said, go and stay near. 
Then Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. So he asked a question. Do you understand what you're reading? Well, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of Scripture. It's out of Isaiah 53. He was led like sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. By the way, it is a prophetic word about Jesus Christ. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? By the way, if you haven't figured it out, ding, 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 that's an opening. So Philip began with the very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus Christ. After they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's some water, why shouldn't I be baptized? And so he gave orders to stop the chariot, but Philip said, no, you first have to take some classes and you have to go through a waiting period so we can... No, he didn't say any of that, right? Wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you, I can't do this because I have to wait for an apostle to come so that he, they can baptize you. That's not there either, right? What did it do? It said they pulled over, Philip and the eunuch went down on the water, and Philip baptized him. And I love this passage because to me it is probably one of the finest templates of just simply being used. We could go to a lot of different passages. We, we looked at the Samaritan woman last week with Jesus. But I want you to see very quickly just some things that I know about Philip. First of all, he knew the Lord already. He did know the Lord. Um, it says in chapter 6 that he was already he was full of the Spirit and he was a godly man who was a follower of Jesus. Chapter 8, if you go to the earlier passages, you'll see that he was already interacting and being used of God. And so this was just, but this was a, how do I say this? This was just an average guy who loved the Lord and was being used of the Lord. But he did know the Lord. And I just, I'll just share with you, I'm not saying this never happens, but it is really hard to lead someone into a relationship with Jesus Christ if you yourself don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, it's just hard. I'm not saying it's impossible. John Wesley, he gives a testimony that for years he was actually a pastor and preached for years before he, in his mind, he actually ever got saved. So, I mean, he knew the, John Wesley knew all the right stuff to say. He just hadn't had a heart conversion yet. But let me just tell you, it's really hard. So ask yourself, you know what, do I have a, if, if I could give someone the same relationship that I have with Christ, would that be something you'd want to duplicate? Number two, he was really sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I love this because, because he was on the right road because of the Spirit of God. And, and he even listened to the prompting of God when he went up to the chariot. The, 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 the Holy Spirit was simply interacting and prompting him and saying, hey, go and stay near the chariot. Now, I know we talk a lot about this. And I got to tell you, as a pastor... This is probably one of the hardest things for me to communicate effectively, and yet it's one of the most important things to learn as a believer in Jesus Christ, is simply being obedient to the prompting of the Spirit of God in your life. 
And it's, it's not getting on your knees all the time and saying, okay, God, it's just simply moment by moment having an interaction which says, Lord, give me the wisdom to know what to say in this. I'll, I'll do it a hundred times during this message where while I'm communicating, there's just a little conversation where I'm going, Lord, where do you want me to go next? Do you want me to use this illustration? Would you like me to, do you want me to call somebody out? Do you want me, Chad? I, he's going to, he just told me to call you. No, he didn't tell me that at all. That was just me. I, I came up with that, you know, and, but it's just simply being open to his prompting and sometimes the Lord will say, they're not ready yet. Or, hey, tell this part of your life. Or, hey, just simply go and be available. We prayed, in fact, Dan, you prayed it this morning. I pray it quite often on Sunday mornings when we gather with our staff. And I'll, I'll say, Lord, there is so much to be done today. Don't help me, help me not to be so consumed with getting things done that I walk by people. Stop me when I need to stop. Help me to be sensitive to the person who just needs a word or needs a hug. Or, or maybe they just need me to not tell them I'm going to pray for them. For, for 25 seconds, just stop and pray for the need. You can be so busy you don't slow down and just pay attention. That's being sensitive to the Spirit of God. Number three, he was available. What do they say 90% of the job is just showing up? It's just being there. It's being available for the person who has a need. It's, it's being willing to, to just, I, I read an incredible study this last week about the impact of busyness, an actual study. It was done at Princeton University back in, in the early 70s, but we don't have time to get into it. But it's just, it's the impact of busyness on our availability into people's lives. He was there. He was there. He just stayed. That's what he did. And then you, I love how he starts with a question. Hey, uh, you understand what you're reading? Hey, that's interesting. So, hey, tell me, um, what do you believe about spiritual things? Do you know uh, last year, um, I think it was a Gateway Studies? I can't remember the organization. They did, a, they did a study among specifically millennials. It was those of the age of 20 to 40, although I happen to think it just fits everybody. But you're going to be blown away, I think, by these two stats. The first stat, 80% of those who were not, not related to any church and did not profess Christianity, 80% said they were interested in talking to people about spiritual things. That may not blow you away. This one, I think, will. Of the same individuals, 80% said they did not want to hear about your church. For the last 50 years, that's how we've done it. Invite him to church. Come hear the preacher give a message. Come to a musical. Do that. And can I just tell you, that's all good stuff, but that is not. And by the way, I don't think that's just, I think that is, I think that's across the board. People are suspicious of an organization, like it or not. Culture is suspicious of an organized religion. 
And you're saying, we're not an organized religion, we're a relationship. I get that, but they think you're an organized religion. But they will talk to you about what's going on in your life. Use that. Now, they, by the way, 85% said they would be open to attending a church if a friend invited them. So it doesn't mean they they're, they're won't even consider it, but they don't want to just talk about it. Don't be defensive. It's okay. Remember, you are a child of God. You have Christ in your heart. You've got the Spirit of God who says he's going to... Don't be intimidated by that stuff. You don't have to be defensive. It's okay. Ask the question. Be available. I love this next one. By the way, a great question to ask um, it, it, um, when people come up here, the first thing I say is, hey, what's the Lord speaking to you about? Because I assume the Lord's already working in their lives. God is already working. He's a wonderful steward. He knows exactly who he can trust you with, and he knows exactly who needs to hear your story. And just begin to assume that, that if God is bringing this thing about, there's a reason that God is bringing it about. Number five, he was patient, he was courteous, but he was courageous. Do you notice how he does not butt in? He is not rude. He, does not, he doesn't push himself on the guy. He's patient. He lets the guy interact with him. He's courteous, but then when he gets the opportunity, he's courageous. He steps into the opening. Well, you know, they, they say the gospel is offensive. I know the gospel is offensive, but he doesn't say you have to be. Paul says it himself. He says, hey, give the truth, season it with a little salt. Okay? It just makes it more palatable. Okay? So it's okay to have some discretion. It's okay not to be rude. In fact, it's preferable not to be rude. Now, i got to tell you, we all have different personalities. We all have different giftings. And so I believe that God can use all of that. But he just simply, he was courageous when the opportunity came. And then the last one I love is he started right where he was at. And he helped him to see that the answer to his question was Jesus. And I just, I, I put this on your notes. I thought it was so profound. I think it's my idea. It's just simply this. All roads do not lead to heaven. But all needs can lead to Jesus. Every single need can be answered in Jesus Christ. You're stressed out, ready to give up in life. He says what? Come to me, all you are heavy. Or, or heavy. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> Pastor Bill. <laughs> You're weary. And, <laughs> uh, Jesus is Nutrisystem. Um, <laughs> come to me, all you are weary. You're tired. You're ready to give up and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He, he says, um, to those who are spiritually, you have questions, you're afraid of death. He says, you know what, I'm eternal life. And by the way, that's not a bad question. If you have someone who is coming to the end of their life, they know they're coming to the end of their life. And it's not just, are you afraid? It opens up a conversation of how not to be afraid. And you're saying, well, I can never say that. Well, gosh, they're, they're entering into eternity. There's a point where if you're going to say it, you need to. But I think one of the things we're scared of is we don't really, I mean, I, I think we just don't know, like, what do, what do we have to know? Well, let's start with one verse. Um, John 3.16. How many would say you think you know John 3.16? You may, may not be able to just do it if I ask you, but you can do it. Seriously? 
Okay, most of you know it. Okay, let's try to say it together. And I don't care what version it is, just, just however you know that verse, say it out loud. Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, I love verse 17. I love verse 18. Verse 17 says, For God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but through the world to save him, uh, to, uh, but, but, to, but to save the world through him. I love that verse. But let's just stop with John 3, 16, because the gospel is right there. God loves you. For God so loved who? The world. How many of you live in the world? Raise your hand. Okay. If you don't live in the world, raise your hand. Area 51. That's what we're looking for. So God loves you. Period. Yeah, but I don't love him. Doesn't matter. Still loves you. God loves the person who likes him. God loves the person who loves him. God loves the person who can't stand him. God loves the person who doesn't even acknowledge he exists. God loves the person who spends their whole life trying to convince others not to love him. And you're going through a hard time in life and you feel like you're overwhelmed. God loves you and doesn't want you to have to carry that all by yourself. You feel alone and lonely and abandoned by everyone else. But God loves you and doesn't want you to have to walk through life alone. You're afraid of death. God loves you and he wants you to be with him forever. In fact, God loves you, created everything. He wants to have a relationship with you. Number two, we got a problem. It's the word perishing. They will not perish but have eternal life. If you believe in him, you won't perish but have eternal life. See, we have a problem. There's a separation in our relationship between God and the, and the by the way, it's perishing. Ask him what perishing means. I guarantee it's not good. Well, it means we're going to die. Yeah, we're going to die. Do you know God did not, it, God didn't plan for us all to die. And by the way, it's not just dying physically, it's dying spiritually. All eternity apart from him. God doesn't want that. So what did he do? Number three, he gave his one and only son. By the way, who's his son? Say it out loud. Ready? You got it. See this? You got this. You got this. And I always, I never presume. I always tell them who his son is because I don't ever want to presume they already know. And God gave him his son. And by the way, how did he give him? Well, he gave him through the virgin birth. Yeah, he did that. That's true. But it wasn't just the virgin birth. He actually did that for a reason. He had him die on the cross for our sins because he needed to pay for that. So we can have a relationship with him. So we can have security in the future. Now here's the thing. Number four, that, that knowing that is not going to be enough. That whosoever believes in him. By the way, if you're a whosoever, raise your hand. Every person is a whosoever. This is available to every single person. That whoever, whosoever, whoever, if anyone will believe in him, he will not perish but have eternal life. Now, I know that's simple. It's the essence of the gospel. You can do this. I love the one word, or the one uh, 
uh, the one verse uh, uh, invitations in Scripture. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's an invitation if you're burdened in life and you're just so tired you want to give up. Or to the person who's afraid of death, John 3, 16. Or to or, uh, Revelation chapter 3 when he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door, I'll come in and he'll be with me and I'll be with him. And there's fellowship that'll take place. It's an invitation. And I've given you a number of those. But what I want to show you today is a great little app. Which one of these am I using, Jason? This one over here? This one going to work for me? The other one? Yep, yeah, that's what we're going for now. This is a Share Your Faith app. We got it up here. Here it is. I love this thing. I love it because I think, I, number one, it's, it makes it so explainable to you. But here's the thing I love about it is people can take this and they can process it later. And I, I'll be honest, I think there are some people that are just geeked out right now because they have it on an iPad. Believe me, I am the TV generation. I pay attention because it's on TV. So there are going to be some people who will, do you know they offered some people $10,000 if they go one year without their phone? There were not very many people that took them up on that deal. I wouldn't. My brain's in my phone. I don't even know what to do with my life without my phone. Everybody's in there. Like, I don't even know your name, youth pastor. <laughs> if I look in my phone, oh, yeah, it's Dan Hammerick. That's how I know that. That's how I remember stuff. By the way, funny, because I have a, an iPhone, and so I use Siri a lot because I'm used to women telling me what to do in life. And... Uh, <laughs> Hey, I'm serious. I grew up with my sisters telling me, and i just used to it. I just keep it that way. But my assistant's name is Sherry, and it's, it's Sherry Ake, which is Pastor Brian's wife. And so I, every week I'll come in and go, hey, Sherry, and they'll go, yes, Pastor Phil, how can I help you today? That's, how, that's what Siri will do. And it sets her phone off, and her phone says the same thing. So we've got to figure this out somehow. But anyway, share your faith. Here it is, there's us and God, and God actually wants to have a relationship with you. If you want to describe the relationship, by the way, if you have this on your phone, you can push the app, take it off of mute, it'll actually speak these words. So you don't even have to know what to say. It will say it for you. That God loves us and wants to have a personal relationship. By the way, that may seem too simple. So if you want scripture, just push Bible. It'll actually give you the scriptures that go with it, and maybe that's still not enough. And so you want a little more information, push the more button. It'll give you more information. Okay, you got this. Let's move on. You're working this with somebody, but you know there's a chasm between us. There's a gap, and it's not a small gap. This is not a gap that we can just somehow do in our own strength. This is a gap. Uh, Paul Henyon. Paul Henyon, raise your hand real quick. Paul, hey, stand up, would you, real quick, Paul, just to help me out for this. Okay, everybody, this is Paul Henyon. Everybody say, hi, Paul. Okay, I am a stealthy individual. Paul, I think I can jump from here to you. How many think I can make that jump? Okay, you, <laughs> no, I can't. I know I look it, but I can't. I really can't. <laughs> and the gap between me and God is so much further than that gap. And that's the problem, is that you can't get across it. What most people try to do is they try to get across it by doing enough good stuff. But here's, here's something, thanks Paul, here's something that I know from Scripture, it's that you don't have to be good to get to heaven. You have to be perfect. 
Did you realize that? You have to be perfect to get to heaven, and nobody is perfect. For no one can ever be made right, Bible verse, by just simply doing what God commands. The law shows us how sinful we are. If you want more information, you hit the more information. We will always fall short. This will tell you how short we are. You can use the scriptures on this. But I love this because when you, when you understand what that, that shortness is, it brings about death. It's, it's where we feel lost. It's where we feel alone. It's the feeling of emptiness. But God doesn't want that. God actually gave his son Jesus Christ so that we can actually bridge that gap through him. And when you have Christ... Now, that's what it's like to have trust and hope and, and you can have friendship and peace and a future. This is just the bridge illustration, but it's done in such a way that everything is provided for you. It'll explain what that means and how to say it. So you go to the next step, but the only way is you actually have to cross the bridge. See, you, it's one thing to know that there's a bridge. It's another thing to believe that the bridge is actually strong enough to get me to where I want to be. But you got to get on the bridge. And so when you go to the next one, I love this. It just simply says, does this make sense to you? Now, if it says yes, it'll take you on a path where you can pray to receive Christ. I'm going to say no. This becomes one of those sites you can't get out of. It just keeps taking you back. This is the song that doesn't end. It just comes back. And what it does is it begins to explain some of the reasons that people feel like they're not worthy of Christ. And so you go to the next one and it says, okay, where are you on this journey? Now, some people are on the left side. Some people you cross that line. Some people are on that bridge. It means you're kind of uncertain. By the way, can I ask you where you are on that bridge? Some of you would say, you know, I've, I've already crossed that and I'm in a relationship with Christ. But I'll bet you some of you are still back on that, that angle scale and it's troubling you because you're at number eight or number nine, but you've never surrendered. By the way, if you'd like to receive Christ, you can receive Christ right now by faith through prayer. Prayer is just talking with God. It's your heart talking to God's heart. This is just a suggested prayer. Lord, Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me for all that I've done wrong. Please come into my life and begin to lead me. I pray this sincerely as I know how. Amen. He says, um, does this prayer express your desire? By the way, if you need more information, push the more button. If you'd like some scripture, push the Bible button. If that expresses it, can I tell you what God's doing right now? He's giving you eternal life. Your sins are forgiven. You can have a personal relationship with Christ, and he promises never to leave you. And if you made that decision, he doesn't want to just stop there. He wants you to grow in Christ. And congratulations, you have completed the process. 
Now, I'm not saying you're going to do this, but how many think you could actually understand? Just walk for yourself. You could just, you could put, how many of you have a finger? Raise your hand. If you don't have a finger, put up your thumb. You can do this. You can do this. Look to somebody sitting next to you and say, hey, you can do this. You can do this. We have so much more that I'd love to share with you, but can I just simply um, close it up today? About 14 years ago or so, maybe 15, I was in Africa with a group from Colonial Woods. We were in uh, Mali, which is a uh, Muslim country, happens to be a democratic Muslim country, and we were working with a Christian group in that country. By the way, when people talk about Timbuktu, it's in Mali. It is. It really is. Al-Qaeda had a foothold in the northern region uh, of that country, and we were there working with a Christian school. Um, good buddy of mine, Larry Boyer, was there with me, and, and uh, Larry has helped so much in getting our video ministries and TV ministries and over the years going. And uh, I was there to do some teaching, and then we were going to work in the afternoons. We were pouring a lot of concrete, working around the school that was there. It was a Christian school that was a light into that community. And so in the afternoon, they would ask us to do things. It was kind of funny because Larry was a video guy, and he, worked at the, he did a lot of video, video work at the hospital, like surgery. So everybody thought he was a doctor. So they kept coming up, and like, they'd have problems, and he's like, I'm not a doctor. I just, I, like, I film doctors. But he picked a few things up along the way, so he kind of knew some basic medical stuff. And so they would come to him as a little clinic. And then Larry's one of those guys who knows a lot about a lot of stuff. He knows plumbing and heating, and he knows quite a bit about electrical. And so, so they asked us if we would run electricity in the classrooms and the new ones that are being built and uh, they do it different there they basically trench it they take coated um, uh, 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 wire and they bury it and then they run it up to the outlets that's how they do it and so Larry's like oh, if you know Larry Larry likes to do things correctly and he just goes this is not right this is not right this is this is not this would never pass code in the United States and I said yeah but Larry we're in, we're in Africa and uh, if you know me, I'm kind of pragmatic, and, and I just say, hey, you know, Larry, that's how they do it. And we're in Africa. They're going to pour concrete on top. Just, let's just do it. So we, we wired everything. We ran all the, the stuff for them. And, and the other half of the school, which was operating, had no electricity. They had it all run, but they had never had the money to hook it up to the, the, the power grid. They, and so nobody had ever done it before. So every day... The only thing they had at that school is a couple of windows in the concrete walls, and that's how the students were able to see to have school. So they asked, they asked Larry and I, which I don't know why they asked me. I don't know anything about it, but I was with them. I was a, I was a coach. You know, I was an encourager. And uh, so we go over to the breaker box, and they wanted us to hook up electrical to the system so that they could have power for the first time in the life of the, of the school. And we get over there and we look at it and it's just a myriad of wires and they've got a kind of a used uh, a few breaker box, you know, was bringing the line in. And we're working on this. And I just, but Larry, we, we laugh about this to this day. Larry just kept saying, this is not right. This is not right. This would never pass code in, in Michigan. This would never pass code. And I, I said, Larry. They're sitting in a dark room. 
They've got no electricity. If we don't hook this up, they're still going to be in a dark room and they're not going to have any electricity. Sometimes good enough is good enough. We've got to do the best with what we have. We laugh about that to this day. And I know you're, you're probably sitting here going, yeah, but I don't feel like I'm qualified. I don't know. I don't. Hey, do you love Jesus? Have you accepted him as your personal savior? Can I, can I, make, can I just encourage you, and I'm not trying to be frivolous. You, they're in a dark room. And if you don't say anything, they're still going to be sitting in a dark room. They're headed toward a Christless eternity. You're not going to send them to a worse one. And, and Paul says, you used to be darkness. Not in darkness, you used to be darkness. But now you are light in Jesus Christ. And can I just tell you, I realize maybe... You're, you're, you're scared. Can I tell you, you can do this. You can do this. God wants to just flip on the lights to shine into people's lives. Would you do me a favor? If you're able, can you stand? If you're not able, I just want you in your own heart, just raise your hand. I want you to stand right now. Just everybody stand up. This was on my heart today, this whole weekend. I just want to pray over you, okay? That's all I want to do. So can you just bow your heads, close your eyes, and Jesus, over these next couple of minutes, as we just close, I just pray for you to pass the torch. Pass the torch. Lord, I love what your word says. Your word says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, I remind you, I remind you, Colonial Woods, I remind you, Colonial Woods, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline, a sound mind. Holy Spirit, I pray right now as believers standing before you that you would just kick the, 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 the timid spirit away that you would embolden us and challenge us. Your word told us, Jesus, you made a promise. I'm going to ask you to keep the promise. You said when you sent people out that you don't even have to worry about what you're going to say because my spirit is going to give you the very words that you need to share. Now, we want to prepare and we want to do our best, but Jesus, we desperately need you to tell us exactly when and where and how to say it. But I'm saying this today, Lord, I'll be available. Can I just ask you this? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm just wondering, would you be willing just to tell the Lord by raising your hand, just simply this, Lord, I'll be available. Just raise your hand. Lord, I'll be available. And Jesus, as you, as you give the availability, come on, you can hang it, put it up there. Put it up there, it's all right. We just said we're not going to have a bold or timid spirit, so let's not be timid. I'm available. As you orchestrate divine appointments, Lord, I want to just ask you to give me a spirit of courage. 
give me love for that person. And Lord, would I have a life that would speak into theirs, but give me courage. And I'll probably fumble a little bit, and I'll probably fall down a little bit. But Jesus, I pray that you would make up. Because Lord, you said you're the one that tra- you're the one that changes a life anyway. I am willing to seed. I am willing to water. I am willing to put a little fertilizer on it. I am willing to do whatever you ask me to do because I want to step out of the 80% and I want to be part of the 20% that is going to be used of you that simply says, I'm going to share my faith with someone. And if you allow me to lead them to Christ, praise God. I'll do that the best I know how. I'll try to introduce them. But Lord, I am tired of being part of the 80. I want to step into the 20. I pray you would give me a courage to do that as you orchestrate these divine encounters. And there's someone that's here today, I know it with all my heart, you're still caught on the bridge. You're still caught looking across it. And I'm just going to tell you, you are not where God wants you to be and you don't have to stay there. Whoever receives him, whoever steps across that bridge, whoever embraces him, he will forgive you. He will change your life. He will will bring you out of darkness into light. Just ask him right now, Lord Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that I have... I've been putting you off for so long. Today I say yes to you. Make me your child. Make me into the person that you want me to be. I want to be able to share with others what you've done in my life. This is a game changer, church. This is embracing that we are plan A in God's plans. So, Father, I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.